You're listening to the podcast for Inforum, an innovation lab at the Commonwealth Club. Buy tickets to upcoming live events in San Francisco at inforumsf.org. Want even more Inforum? Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as InforumSF. Hello. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Chelsea, and I'm a Miranda with a Samantha Rising. And I'm L- Lauren. I'm a Miranda with a Carrie Rising. And before we get into it, I feel like we should talk about the elephant in the room. Oh, our virtually identical shoes that we're wearing? Uh, no, the neck braces. Oh, okay. Um, long story short, I was getting out of the shower the other day. <laughs> And I pulled something in my neck, and I was lying on the floor naked in so much pain, and I called Lauren to come and rescue me, but she called her boyfriend instead. Uh, And Chelsea got so mad at me, she forced me to do this bit with her. (laughs) So as we say in the book, you haven't reached peak Miranda unless you've been, you know, wearing a neck brace at one point in your life. But uh, even though I proudly identify with this character right now, I don't think I can do this for the rest of the evening. Oh, I'm going method with this shit. I'm not taking it off for the rest of the tour. Okay, just kidding. It's fine. We can take them off. All right. Slowly, though, because we have wires, mics on our face like Britney Spears. We feel like Britney Spears, yeah. It's kind of amazing. (laughs) Anyway. Thank you guys so much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. We're so excited to be here in San Francisco. Um, For some reason, Chelsea and I took an Amtrak train cross-country to get here. It was a very traumatic experience. Yeah, it's unclear as to whether Lauren and I's friendship will actually survive this book tour. Um, But in all seriousness, we're thrilled to be here. Having a book and being able to tour with it is the most carry thing that's ever happened to us. That said, uh, if, anyone here, if, if anyone is here to see Mr. Winkle, please leave immediately. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mr. Winkle couldn't be here tonight because he died like 10 years ago. Because if he were alive, we definitely would have tried to book him. Oh, a thousand percent. Although the true power move would be if we had Chris Noth sitting in the audience. And at some point he could raise his hand and be like, what did he, what did he say to Carrie at her book? reading? Uh, who is this Mr. Big? Perfect. He, he could raise his hand, do that, and then we could have security drag him out. See, that's how the episode should have ended. So I feel like I should take the time to say, even though we have props and uh, bits, we are not... Yeah, guys, we even have Harvard mugs <laughs> for our water. Uh, we are not comedians. We are not actors. We are merely trolls with an Instagram account. So the fact that we are standing and here with all of you, or sitting here with all of you, is very surreal to us. When our book publisher initially said we had to do book readings, we were kind of thrown, because We Shall Be Miranda's is not a particularly serious book. Yeah, I mean, not to denigrate ourselves, but it's the kind of book that you flip through, and we designed it that way, you know? It's the kind of book that you impulse buy at the Urban Outfitters clearance rack... Although I'm definitely too old to shop there at this point in my life. Um, so, yeah, it, di- it didn't really make sense for us to sit here and read long portions from the book. And we thought that talking to a rando moderator could get awkward. Like, we'd rather just talk to each other. So this is kind of like a live show for a podcast, except we don't actually have a podcast. 
we don't have a podcast yet, but if there's someone that maybe wants to produce our podcast and get some like Everlane or Away Luggage sponsorship, we are Hello Fresh sponsorship. Hello Fresh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about the show in general. We're going to get into things we get asked about the most, but. Because we're here, I think it's best to kind of go back to the very beginning and kind of unpack, you know, how the fuck did we get here? (laughs) How did we get here? Um, I'll start. So I was obsessed with Sex and the City from the second that it aired. I was a teenager growing up in a rural area, so I did all sorts of horrifying shit to emulate the Sex and the City lifestyle. Which included, you know, buying a giant rosette from The Gap. And uh, I smoked Marlboro Lights, which is what Carrie Bradshaw smoked. And to complete the fantasy, I moved to New York to go to college, which is where I met Lauren. But when I moved to New York, shit got even more embarrassing because I actually had access to the filming locations. Like, I remember going to Magnolia Bakery and thinking, like, this is the chicest place I have ever seen in my life. Like, I cannot imagine it now. Uh, I can't imagine it either. I had, you know, I had two working parents. The TV was my babysitter. So I started watching the show when I was 12 or 13. I'm actually the same age as Carrie's would-be child with that saloon waiter. I love that Lauren, like, took the time to, like, figure that out. Yeah. Um, that is how I, I judge all time, by the way. Like, <laughs> how many years after Carrie's child is this? Uh, but I, you know, I knew it wasn't a documentary, but I kind of treated it like a documentary. I thought maybe this could be my life when I moved to New York, and it wasn't, not even a little bit. Uh, but I don't fault it. That one's on me. I'm such a stan that I still have all of the DVDs. Yeah, this is another really crucial formative experience that we wanted to talk about. These and fucking if, uh, DVD yeah. cases. Please tell me you know what we're talking about with these fucking Yes, DVDs. right? Because if you're an original fan of the show, you bought the DVDs as the seasons came out, and they came in these... It, this is like truly like the worst packaging design of all time because the plastic is so brittle. It yeah. breaks so easily, and it leaves these razor-sharp edges that like, will legitimately cut your hand open. Oh, yeah, these DVDs are the instrument of the patriarchy. A thousand percent. Um, so we've been on the road for a week, and originally the joke was, you know, your DVDs for season three and four were destroyed because those are the best seasons, but season five, perfectly intact. Because it's the worst season, yeah, like, let's face the it. It's shortest burgers introduced. But in the course of traveling, the fifth season DVD has broken, so it's not So our joke does not I, saw, I heard someone gasp. Thank you. Uh, I'm still not going to open this DVD or watch. No, never. Why would you? Horrified. <laughs> um, so I think now we're supposed to get into what? The evolution of the How we count? started the account. How we started the account. Yes. We're very professional, guys. So profesh. Can you believe it? Uh, but yeah, I was, a, I was a fan of the show. Here's the weird thing is Chelsea and I have been friends for 12 years. We've met at college. We've been best friends ever since. But we never had a conversation about Sex and the City until the very night that we started the account over some flaming margaritas. Yes. At, Shout out to El Compadre in yeah, Los Angeles. in Los Angeles. Look it there. up if you're there. Uh, <laughs> But it was something to make each other laugh. At the time, I was living on the West Coast. Chelsea was living on the East Coast. But within a month, we had 100,000 followers. 
Yeah. So when the account took off, we, of course, had to revisit the series. And when we revisited it, we realized that we had aged into being Mirandas. <laughs> or rather, we had, like, aged out of wanting to be Carrie's. Like, now that I'm in my mid-30s, I know I'm never going to be an it girl, and I can live with that, you know? I mean, Chelsea, you're an it girl in my heart. Oh, thank you. I'm I a mean, regular look, Edie Sedgwick. I know. You've got the hair. <laughs> I have the hair, but not the crippling painkiller addiction, hopefully. So dark. Anyway. <laughs> Very dark. Uh, it got dark. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, we, we sort of realized that we had been gaslit by the series and kind of society itself to think that she was the least aspirational in character when at the end of the day, she made partner before the age of 35. She owns her own brownstone. She employs a full-time housekeeper. I mean, if that's not thriving, I don't know <laughs> what is. Um, and we had this epiphany that we should all be Mirandas and we wanted to spread that gospel with the world. I'm just kidding, but around this time we made the We Should All Be Miranda shirts, which is actually based on this Christian Dior We Should All Be Feminist shirts, which is a reference to, or an homage, a nod, what have you, to uh, Chiamondi Negozia Dici's viral TED Talk and book of the same name. We think that luxury brands commodifying political slogans and selling them this for- This is a $700 shirt, yes. by the way. And it is cotton. Do you want to talk about the style? Yeah, this is not, don't be fooled. This is not a cashmere blend. This is just straight, straight up, up cotton. cotton. With maybe the worst styling for an outfit ever. Oh, a nightmare, truly. I mean, she doesn't even have lining in her skirt. I hate it. So we thought, what better way to parody this than make a, the same cotton shirt that said, we should all be Miranda, sell it for $32, and donate a portion of the proceeds to a legal nonprofit. Exactly. Which is what we did. And the shirts sold really well for us. And then shortly thereafter, when Cynthia Nixon ran for governor in New York, a lot of journalists used the phrase in their articles. So we realized that it entered into the cultural lexicon at that point. And our book agent, Ross, was like, you guys need to write a book with this title. So we then had to... We're telling you how the sausage is made. Yeah, exactly. You know, not all books are great inventions from the soul. (laughs) Totally. So we then had to, like, retroactively figure out what this book would be. And we settled upon... We really wanted to do a parody of those self-help books uh, for women from the 80s and 90s that sort of were about having it all, which, like, basically means that, like a hot career, like a good marriage, like, you know, a great body, etc. So our book touches upon all of those topics, but from a Miranda's point of view. And we obviously can't get into everything tonight, but we're going to sort of explore some themes from the book, starting with, starting with sex. <laughs> I love this illustration. This is one of my favorites, truly. Um, so when I first saw Sex in the City, I don't think I had had sex yet. And if I did, it was like not good. So (laughs) for better or worse, I learned a lot about sexuality from watching Sex in the City. And in revisiting it as an adult, I'm like, oh, this holds up. Oh, this is deeply, deeply inaccurate. Uh, so we're going to play a little game of true or false. 
and we're going to revisit some classic statements about sexuality from Sex and the City and determine whether they are true, true or, or false. false. Yeah. Let's get into it. So bisexuality is a layover on the way to gay town. <laughs> now, this is a hard one, honestly. Uh, yeah, I know. I, what no, is not. the answer? It's not at all. We both went to uh, art school and we have discovered that there are bisexuals and they remain bisexuals. It's wild. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's a real sexual orientation. And if you don't believe that, you have to watch the latest season of Are You the One? Because it's truly incredible. So we're going to go with false for that one. Uh, sometimes you should fake an orgasm. This is controversial. <laughs> but we say yes. Be- well, sparingly. This is not That's a lifestyle. That's why it says sometimes. Oh, yes, correct, correct. This is more to be utilized for time management purposes. A thousand percent. Right? Yeah. You're not sleeping with them again. You have an early meeting. Well, let's hope not. You know, just, it, yeah, get them out. Done. You yeah. know, it's not your job to teach someone how to be better in bed, you know? I, I agree with you. So this is, like, totally true. <laughs> Putting stamps around someone's dick is an accurate way to diagnose erectile dysfunction. I mean, I'm not a medical professional, but I'm going to go with yes, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, I truly think that Carrie was trolling Charlotte when she told her to do this. (laughs) Honestly, I mean, we weren't at a place, but I feel if that episode existed today, there would be all of this, like, online bonus content of, like, the science of that. I assume it's that, you know, his morning wood will break through the stamps. Yeah, but, like, what if he just rolls over in his sleep? That's what I've never understood about this. And also, God forbid, he doesn't break the stamps and you're frantically, before he wakes up, trying to, like, put a scissor in between the stamps and his dick to cut it off. Horrified. And then you're, like, slapping, like, fucked up forever stamps on your letters (laughs) from there on out. Horrifying. Um, But those are the forever stamps I want, the fucked up forever (laughs) stamps. I'm going to go with false for this False, but we want it to be true. I want it to be true. Uh, Sometimes you just need a big dick. Yes. We're not saying you have to be with someone with a big dick. No, no. A thousand percent no. However. However, if you're not with someone with a big dick and that's something you require, you can always go down to the local, you know, sex positive, woman owned sex sex toy store and get what you need. Buy your, what we're saying is buy yourself a big dick. Exactly. Uh, having a one-night stand with a stranger is grounds for divorce. So this is a reference to Miranda's storyline, the first film in which, you know, uh, Steve stepped outside the marriage, had sex with the woman, was very remorseful about it. And he had one one-night stand with someone he didn't know. Exactly. One night Once. Stand. Yeah, exactly. We don't even actually know. I mean, he is technically a bartender, so it could have been a one-afternoon stand. We don't know. True. A happy hour situation. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I disagree with this because I believe that people deserve second chances, and if anyone should be afforded that second chance, it's the person you're married to, right? Yes. I mean... I I agree with you. Okay, well, who disagrees? Who in this audience... Raise your hand if you think that Miranda should have left Steve. Oh. No one? 
we've done this before. There's been mixed results, so it's not like a bad. Don't worry, we're not going to shout. We're not judging. I, yeah, we're just trying uh, to uh, suss uh, out the situation. It. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, we're, we won't be signing your books later, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go with false for this one. Uh, ugly sex is hot. The, uh, it's true with a caveat. I think that as a, as a culture, we put too much focus on the idea that attractiveness and attraction are correlated. Sometimes you will find someone that maybe falls outside your attractiveness purview that you have, feel very attracted to. We're not saying, you know, we're saying don't dissuade those feelings. But what we're not saying is to find an ugly person and fuck them and expect them to have great sex. Yeah. So if you do that, do not DM us and be like, what the fuck, Chelsea and Lauren? It didn't work. <laughs> No, no. Yes, this is not always true. It's sometimes true. And I think it's the wisest thing that Anthony Marantino ever said on Sex and the City. Sorry, I went to the next slide, which is the longest. (laughs) If your fiancé can't get it up the night before your wedding, he probably jerked off right before you came over and was too embarrassed to tell you. I mean, maybe the greatest sex advice that one Carrie Bradshaw ever dispensed. She was heartbroken. Aiden had just broken up with her an hour before. She was under the gun. Her friend was about to walk down the aisle, and she had to make sure that that friend was going to get down the wedding aisle. She just pulled this out of her ass. Totally. Like, it's obviously not true. No, we would come to learn it's not true at all. She delivered it with such conviction that I was like, fuck, maybe Trey did, you know? Like, yeah. I I mean, I'm going to say it's true just because I'm impressed. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, Moving on to a very fun segment for me tonight, because my parents are actually here. In the audience. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, got to mom and dad. <laughs> so, as you maybe can tell, uh, we do not have a lot of hang-ups about sex or sexuality. Having said that, we love how supportive our parents are, but there are some sections of the book we're not exactly thrilled that they're going to be reading. Like, I have a very close relationship with my parents, but I don't need to know Kathy and Andy's opinions about eating ass. I mean, nor do I, because I know your parents, and that's truly horrifying. Yes. So, for our discomfort and your enjoyment, we are going to read the sections of the book that we are least excited that our parents will be reading, starting with... I'm going to go with this, which is called How to Get Yourself Off in a New York Minute, Six Sexual Aids That Every Miranda Should Own. Um... It's embarrassing because it's all sex toys, obviously, but I'm most embarrassed by the caption for the laptop, which says, um, watching porn on a desktop computer is awkward and vaguely skipperish. You need a laptop to bridge that gap between your desk and your bed. Just make sure to close those unsightly pop-ups after you climax. I mean... That's truly horrifying, right? Well, I well, one, I was just staring into your parents' eyes as you were reading that. But two, I think it's awkward for you if I could play like armchair psychologist because you're going to be going home at Christmas, and the second you're like bringing yeah, a laptop the into I have the my bedroom, laptop. your parents are going to be like, "Oh, we know what you're doing." I'm like, "No, mom and dad, I'm really just watching Sex in the City reruns like I always do." But... And they're like, "That's what you're calling it these days." I get it. <laughs> So for me, I'm good. I don't... Oh, you don't need the book? I've unfortunately committed this to memory. I think what makes it the most awkward for us is we each know what we wrote in the book. Like, it would be easy enough to be like, oh, I didn't write that. Mom, Chelsea wrote that. But I know 
And I don't need them to know that I know that they know that I spent an afternoon being like a pocket dictionary pervert and writing <laughs> all of this, this Miranda guide to fetishes. Because I know, we've been on book tour, but I know that a text message is coming from my mother asking me about cock and ball torture and do people really do that? Also known as CBT, not to be confused with, with cognitive, cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy. therapy. <laughs> Which maybe I'll just tell her that that's what it is instead. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and consensual non-consent. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things like age play that we sort of we struck. Yeah, we don't even want to. Yeah, no. Anyway, moving, moving on. on. Um, People, oh. you should not fuck. Right. So this is a list in the book, and it's cold from you know references from Sex in the City, but also our own humiliating sexual experiences. You're so, welcome. Yeah. So we're gonna dive into that right now. People with lower self-esteem than you. This is very important. Yeah, I mean, you can't fuck someone with lower self-esteem than you. Like, I want to have the lowest self-esteem in any given relationship, not the other way around. <laughs> Two, people who live in your building. I believe uh, Miss Lauren Garoni has some experience with this. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, guys, don't... Fuck people who live in your building. Also, maybe, like, don't lose your virginity to people who live in your building. Um, but I feel, I feel vindicated. There's a happy ending. I mean, after he dumped me, he quit his tech job, decided to start a startup, went broke, and had to move out of the apartment building six months later. So I feel like I... Thank you. That's a beautiful story. Thank you. But the thing is, that doesn't happen for everyone. Usually, yeah. they just continue to live in your building, which is why you shouldn't fuck them. Yes, and, you know, if you're living in a metropolitan city like New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, you don't have the funds to move to another building. So you got to pray that they try to, you know, start the new Facebook and fail miserably. <laughs> uh, people who can't fuck you to save your life. This, this is one of the, you know, few arenas that Mirandas have optimism in. You know, we're usually cynical folk, but sometimes you'll fuck someone. You're like, maybe next time will be better. No. This is no. a lie. <laughs> no. If it's bad, mediocre, whatever, the first time, it's worse the second time. It's even worse the third time. Like, there's no improvement. So just move on. People you work with. Now, I have mostly freelanced my entire life, but Chelsea, do you have experience in this? Okay, in my defense... It was not a colleague. It was an intern. Okay. I feel like I need to leave stage and, like, DM Ronan Farrow right now. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's not like that. It's not like that. In my defense, nothing, nothing happened until, like, three years after her internship ended. And she is now my wife. And she is sitting right there. So maybe I take this one back. I don't well, know. No, no, no. Look, it's very hard to meet people. We're saying meet people you work with, have some chemistry, do not fuck them while you work together, fuck them after. After. That's key, after. Um, people with children you don't like. Again, we're not explicitly saying don't date people with children. Yeah, people with kids are great. It's just that if you hate their kid, then one day you might have to live with their kid. You know what I mean? And also... Uh, your partner is always going to side with the kid because, you know, blood relation or whatever. And let's be honest, shitty kids are narcs, okay? Always. <laughs> always. People in relationships. I'm talking 
I mean, where is San Francisco? Isn't everyone poly here? Yeah, right? actually, what are we even saying? Yeah, you all are, are very adept <laughs> at polyamory. Poly, do your thing. If you're yeah. not poly, avoid people in relationships. Um, people who are addicted to porn. So this is obviously cold from an episode. I would kind of update it for a millennial audience to say, don't fuck people who learned how to fuck from porn. Gross, yeah. No, not good. Uh, people who take a shit with the door open. This is one of those things that's from Sex in the City, not our own personal experiences, by the way. No, yeah. Uh, we have nothing else to say for that. Uh, people who go to your Weight Watchers meeting. This is obviously outdated because now it's WW. We're not watching weight anymore. We're just WWing. I don't... Totally. And it's not like... You know, it's great to have a shared goal of self-improvement with your partner. And, you know, this also applies to AA meetings, NA meetings, OA meetings. These are people that want the OA to come back on Netflix? No, no, no. Not those assholes. With any 12-step program, it's not that you shouldn't have the shared goal of recovery. It's that if you break up, you may not be able to go to your preferred meeting, you know, like the one by your house. So it's best to, like, avoid it. So this is more self-care than anything else. Totally. Uh, and lastly, people named Skipper. I think we can all avoid this because I don't think anyone's named Skipper anymore. Yeah, hallelujah. All right. I mean, we could not come here and sit in front of you and not get into Miranda Hobbs' sartorial journey. Yeah, if you follow our Instagram account, you know that we're very preoccupied with Miranda's wardrobe, and obviously we can't get into all of it tonight, so we picked some highlights to go through now. This oh. first look we called the what was she thinking? And I know we have an Instagram account about every outfit on Sex in the City, but we could just do an account where every day we try to explain this outfit. We try to unpack how this happened. Actually, that might be funny if we just spent, would you guys enjoy that if we just spent a week, the same screen cap or just like different elements? Totally. Like a, like a, okay, oh, okay. Maybe we'll I guess that. we're doing that. Well, like a conspiracy podcast before an outfit. <laughs> I naively told you once, I was like, oh, I think, because if you look at the scene, it's very gray out and rainy. I was like, oh, I think she was already in the windbreaker. And he was like, oh, it's raining. I'll take this bucket hat and like shield myself. But it's like, you need one or the other, not both, is the thing. The confounding thing about this outfit is, is the bucket hat over the hood, although this And is, the turtleneck. And the turtleneck. But to me, I mean, this outfit is very contemporary in a lot of ways. It's very J.W. Anderson. It is very uh, Balenciaga. Oh, yeah. Mir- Miranda, Miranda is uh, the original normcore icon. Totally. It's the kind of thing that would look incredible in a fashion editorial styled by Joe McKenna, but just, like, incredibly bizarre in your average, you know, woman. So, but okay. I love it. The, the lady in red, you might have forgotten this. This was Miranda. saw this coming, honestly? This is Miranda's uh, airport look from New York to Mexico, where evidently she spent just seven hours in a business class seat with a, with a red, large corset on. Yeah, the thing that also confounds me is that she has this wicker handbag that's shaped like a fish, if you guys have ever noticed that, which is very, like, un-Miranda. Although, theory, Steve bought that for her, and he was like, Miranda! It's Miranda! 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 
Like he tried to do a good thing. He's like, I know you and Carrie went shopping at Barney's. I went to the Barney's outlet. <laughs> I got this wicker basket. Sorry, John Early does the best. Uh, Steve, Steve impression. impression. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm simply doing a poor impression of John Early doing an impression of, of Steve. This outfit is glorious, though. I love it. The Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, this is the, this is the Rizzoli and Isles on TNT I want. Totally. I love this because I will always enjoy a 70s look, and this is peak 70s. I mean, we have Miranda in this gorgeous suit with this exaggerated collar styled outside of the lapel. We have Carrie in a classic Diane von Furstenberg wrap dress. Although, are you okay? Because I know your feelings about a, DF, a DVF wrap dress, okay, and they're I'm not great. I'm slightly triggered because I'm someone that grew up reading fashion magazines, and the whole narrative around the DVF wrap dress is like, it looks great on every woman and every body and like all of this. Thank you. There's two women in the audience who are like, no. It, it does not. It is a lie. I'm convinced that this dress only looks good on Diane von Furstenberg herself. And now Sarah and, Jessica and Parker. And Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Yeah. No. Horrifying. The unfit mother. <laughs> Again, who saw this coming? I mean, totally. we did not get enough Brady-Miranda matching outfits. It's not even that matchy-matchy. It's just the idea that someone took a baby bucket hat. Well, it's a fisherman hat, but the thing that's so great is that they styled the brim so that it yeah. mimics the look of uh, Miranda's Panama hat. A an effort that Miranda Hobbs would never go through. No, but I love it nonetheless. Um, and lastly, the Glamazon. We love yeah. this image so much that our, our amazing illustrator, Carla Jean Andrews, uh, illustrated this exact outfit for the Thrive chapter because, I mean, come on. It's stunning. The dress is Julian McDonald. It's studded. It's not a print. Uh, and it has this crazy plunging J-Lo-esque uh, neckline. And it's, it's completely gorgeous. And she looks incredible. But I feel like it's not just the dress and how perfectly it fits her. I feel like they really got her hair right here. You know, like color is amazing, cut is perfect. We've obviously seen a very, I don't even know how to describe her hairstyle journey. That has truly been a journey. Yes, there's a, there's a chapter in our, uh, in yeah, our we, book. We illustrated our favorite ones in the book. Yes, but. because, you know, as Mirandas, we just don't have bad hair days. We have bad hair months and years. Years, exactly. <laughs> so to see this sort of glow up. Yeah, inspiring, truly. You're listening to a podcast of Inforum, an innovation lab at the Commonwealth Club. Support our podcast and find out about upcoming live events in San Francisco at inforumsf.org. Love Like a Miranda. This was one of our favorite chapters to write, I would say, and nothing we enjoyed more than uh, the segment, Which Asshole Are You Dating? So we Totally. It was so fun to write. So we took, uh, you know, the asshole boyfriends from Sex and the City. But to us, they're not just fictional boyfriends from a television show. We really feel that they are, or we wanted to update them uh, to be millennial archetypes for men that you might see in bars, on apps, or in the streets if you're someone who chooses to date a man. Yeah, lucky you, Lauren. Um, 
we're not going to read the essays in their entirety, so we've distilled them down to sort of like the key, you know, bullet points. And um, we're going to get into them now, starting with the asshole to end all assholes, the big, aka the emotionally unavailable Bizbro. Bro. So, uh, he is, you know, how does someone end up with a big? It's because he's very charming. Very, right? very alluring. He's very sophisticated. That's, you know, intriguing. You know, his lack of emotional availability will slowly suck the life out of you. <laughs> now, having said that, he will give you many clear signs that he is not going to commit to you. <laughs> but if you choose to ignore those signs, it's like, it's kind of on you. Because if he won't so much as give you a drawer in your apartment, like, that's your answer, you know? Uh, and the biggest issue to sort of extricate yourself with a big is, you know, you'll be ready to move on, but like a sixth sense that he has, he'll know that and he'll reappear in your life. Totally. I mean, as we say in the book, like a bad Patrick McMullen party photo, this man will haunt you and your Google results until the day that you die. The Petrovsky. And we have the Petrovsky, uh, (laughs) a.k.a. the pretentious elder. Uh, he's older. Yeah, where are my daddy issue girls at, right? <laughs> if, there's not, if there's not at least a 15-year age difference, are you really dating a Petrovsky? No, you're not. Uh, he's worldly. Very appealing. Uh, he has made some truly seminal large-scale light installations <laughs> with integrated video imaging. I think that's a touch too specific. Uh, that doesn't really Maybe apply to Maybe this doesn't apply to everyone, unless you're dating Dan Flavin or, or James Terrell or something. Yeah. Uh, his la- he has a lack of interest in adhering to arbitrary social norms. This is not a knock on the Petrovsky. This is actually very uh, endearing. Totally. One of the few endearing things. Uh, but his ways are set in stone. Yeah, I mean, he's good. We're not saying don't date a Petrovsky, but he's certainly not, you know, someone to spend the rest of your life with. At best, he's good for, like, a modern love article or something. Totally. <laughs> ah. The burger. Yikes. The toxic beta bro. Uh, there's probably none, no Sex in the City boyfriend that's more applicable to, to today's dating landscape than the burger. Totally. So how do you end up with the burger? It's because he's smart. He's funny. He's smart in that I read the New Yorker kind of way. Yes, and he'll never let you forget it. No. <laughs> he's like, hey, babe, I have that New York Times digital subscription. Check oh, did out. you read your five articles for the month? Did you know I subscribe? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's funny. He's funny in that he's taken, like, some improv classes at UCB at some point in his life. Another thing he will not let you forget. <laughs> And he excused a non-threatening beta energy, which initially is very appealing. However, just below that service is a cavern of toxic masculinity. Totally. Like, he may not look outwardly like an alpha male, but at his core, he is the same. He just has, like, slightly better taste in clothes, slightly better taste in music, you know? Uh, And he's frequently a creative type, which I know sounds, again, appealing, but... But it makes him, like, especially prone to moodiness and underemployment. Yeah. And then he'll come to resent you because you have your shit together. So just best to avoid. Uh, Oh, the skipper. 
The nice beta boy. Guys, we couldn't, there's a whole paragraph dedicated to him, but we couldn't What bother. is there to say? Really? Yeah, I mean, Skip is literally in his name. The, the, <laughs> the point you need to take away from this is basically he is, should be used, you know, he's not an asshole, but he's not a core shaker either, right? He's best to be used as a flotation device taking you from your last shitty relationship into hopefully your next less shitty one. <laughs> oh. So. This one's really Just a, like a wave of a groan going through the audience. <laughs> so in the three years we've had the account, we've dispensed a lot of hot takes, maybe none more controversial than our feelings about Aiden, which is that he is a trash boyfriend. Garbage. Uh, I believe I once called him a manic pixie artisan boy. <laughs> Very accurate. Thank you. Um, so we're just going to go through it. He's sensitive, okay? Which is great. I mean, that's, that's a quality that I would like in a man, you know? Sure, if that was your thing. If I went that route. Yeah. He's masculine, which as I've tried to explain to Chelsea, very hard to find. Like a, a hyper-masculine male who's also sensitive. Love that. Oh, However, he is extremely judgmental. Yeah, like, you might remember that he almost didn't date Carrie because she smoked, but then a couple years later, when his bar scout opened, he was just casually smoking a cigar right outside, you know? So he's that asshole. He's a hypocrite. Uh, he has a definitive vision of his future and you and will manipulate you to fit into his vision. You know, he's someone that wants to have a cab cabin suffer and get married and believe you never had an abortion and you know <laughs> totally. Well, yeah, it's the it's, truth, guys. It is, okay? He seemed visibly relieved when she was like, I never had one. Yeah, totally. I mean, he just needs to be with someone that shares his exact vision. And if you yeah. don't share the same you know, vision for your future with the Aiden, nothing good can come of this. No. Uh, and then he also hoards half-empty deodorants. I think that, of all the things, is... Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, I mean, what more is there to say or even to get into? I don't know. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> Who saw this coming, guys? Yes, 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 yes. Um, we asked to maybe not take photos in this section. No recording, no photos, nothing. Uh, as three, two, three of the four actresses follow our account, we'll let you guess what, who the fourth one is that doesn't. Yeah, I mean, when people ask us, like, what's the deal with the third Sex in the City film? What is your take on the SJP Kim Control feud? We typically take the Taylor Swift, I'd like to be excluded from this narrative stance. But since you all came out to see us and bought our book, uh, we're just going to spill the tea on our thoughts about the feud. Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> I, I hope you have no plans for the rest of your evening. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting into it. I said to Chelsea, I was like, ha, 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 what if we did it like a true crime podcast and had this whole like infographic timeline? And Chelsea was like, hold my, hold my was... Prosecco. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so the origins of the few go all the way back. <laughs> Truly, guys, I, we're not even trying to be funny about it, but, you know, when Sarah Jessica Parker was cast in the pilot of Sex and the City, she was a movie actress, and 
they didn't do TV at the time. It went the other way. It didn't go, you know, movie to TV. So she was paid accordingly. So from the beginning, she was paid more than the other three actresses. Yeah, and then in 1998, it's the second season. The show's a hit. SJP becomes a producer on the show, which means that she makes even more money than she did before, and she has more control over, like, the storylines and stuff like that. And this is the time when we first start to hear rumors of infighting on the set between Kim and SJP. Which is so sexist. It's so sexist. Like, they would never say this about, you know, the cast of The Sopranos. However, probably true. Probably true, though. (laughs) So in 2004, after six seasons, the show comes to an end. Uh, They were actually supposed to start shooting the film immediately afterwards, but uh, they didn't allegedly... We're going to use the phrase allegedly a lot during this, uh, of Kim Cattrall's salary demands. Okay, so then in 2008, the first Sex in the City film comes out. Um, it's a hit. It makes a shit ton of money. And We're not exactly sure. Yes, we did this entire infographic, but we didn't bother to look up. It was, a, it was like a half a billion dollars. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Made, it made a half a million dollars. Um, half a billion dollars. Yes. Yeah. To be confused. Not to be confused. Not to be confused. Uh, but wouldn't you say that the storyline of Big leaving Carrie at the altar would make a lot more sense if that film had come out a year after the show ended instead of four years after the show ended? So anyway, uh, that film was very successful, which meant two years later we were blessed? I think it's more of a curse then. With uh, Sex and the City 2, which, you know... You can, if you go back, which we don't recommend, but if you just pull up that scene where Kim Cattrall is in the Abu Dhabi market and screams, I have sex, you could see a part of Kim Cattrall dying. Totally. Like, just behind the eyes. I mean, I get it. But together, these films, you know, gross almost a billion dollars for Warner Brothers. And, you know, I think the only literal franchise with women over the age of 40. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then all's quiet on the Western Front for about six years. <laughs> in, <laughs> until uh, SJP wishes Kim happy birthday on Instagram. Uh, and evidently had her assistant Google search Kim Cattrall photos and just picked her a headshot from 1998. Yeah, we did not select this photo. This is yeah, what she posted. Yeah, this is what she posted. So... As we'll come to learn, in 2017, they were supposed to shoot Sex and the City 3, so it stands to reason that either contract negotiations were going on at this point or were about to, which might explain Sarah Jessica Parker publicly wishing Kim Cattrall a happy birthday and putting sister in quotes. Yeah, that's a little... But this is the last like positive social media interaction that we know of between the two of them. And then, you know... All hell breaks loose when Sarah Jessica Parker gives us whiplash by simultaneously confirming a Sex and City 3 film, but then also saying it wasn't going to happen. Now, and she's very classy. She didn't say why, but she didn't have to because the next day a Daily Mail story came out. (laughs) Yeah, and the Daily Mail story basically alleged that the film fell apart because... Kim wanted a salary that was comparable to SJP's, and she also wanted Warner Brothers to produce a bunch of her projects, to which I say, Kim, like, (laughs) it's the Trump era. Like, Sex and the City 3 is an act of charity, you know? (laughs) 
but you know, I don't think it's entirely her fault. Like I also, I also think some of the fault falls on Warner Brothers because you know, you know how much money these films made. Like however much they would pay her, they would make it back. And if they have to like produce some like made-for-TV movies starring Kim Cattrall, like is that the worst thing? Yeah, we'll watch it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is next? Oh, Kim tweets a rebuttal. Woke to at Mail Online poop emoji storm. The only all quote demand I ever made was that I didn't want to do a third film, and that was back in 2016. Coincides with that Sarah Jessica Parker tweet. All I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this generates a ton of press. Uh, and then Kim's. Oops, there we go. Uh, Kim's uh, press tour continues by going on Piers Morgan. This is where things take a turn for the dark, you know? Like, well, but also it's like, what, would The View not have her? Was the talk booked? Why, why are we going on Piers Morgan? Piers Morgan is, is the human equivalent of the shit emoji, you know, right? <laughs> Truly awful. And this, is, this isn't a good look for Kim just sitting next to him, you know? But basically what she says in this interview is that me and my Sex and City co-stars were never friends. The environment on set was toxic, you know, which obviously caused a big stir as well. It also doesn't engender a lot of support from fans of the show. I mean, if she went through, especially the time that this is taking place, it kind of coincides with the Me Too movement. If she made a bigger, if she made it about pay inequality, I feel like more people would be on her side. And maybe if she didn't also have said these things on Pierce Morgan. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, is this my favorite part? This is my favorite part of Ooh. all of this, which is <laughs> Willie Garson, who played Stanford Blanche, tweets. <laughs> now, he doesn't at anyone. It's the shade level of this. Dear fans, because I'm, quote, toxic, I'm going to negotiate a contract for six months, not come to terms, then say I never wanted to do it anyway. <laughs> Woof. Okay, this is the bitterness of a man that had already paid for a kitchen renovation based on the idea that he was going to be in Sex and City 3. A thousand percent. But the saddest thing of all is that this only got 188 retweets. Yeah. So we're asking everyone to go home tonight and retweet this. <laughs> it's not too late to retweet this iconic It's tweet. still up. We just did this two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, and then, oh, okay. Kim, again, here's the word, allegedly plants a page six story. And we'll tell you why we think she planted this story. It's this. And it's because of this phrase, which is Cottrell, who signed on as a man-eater, Samantha, was arguably the biggest name among the cast in the beginning. She was the bona fide movie star having headline Mannequin and Big Trouble in Little China. No shade to Mannequin. I mean, no. Mannequin is an incredible film. However, come on. Yeah. Is it Hocus Pocus? Like, no. No. Um, there's no easy transition for this. So the, it's quiet again for a few months, and then tragically, Kim Cattrall's brother passes away. She posts about this online. Uh, there's a lot of condolences and sympathy from friends and fans, uh, including one Miss Sarah Jessica Parker, who writes, Dearest Kim, my love and condolences to you and yours. Godspeed to your beloved brother. Cynthia Nixon, you can see, writes a comment above. You know, to be slightly conspiratorial, because Cynthia Nixon got 
got no shade and Sarah Jessica Parker got all the shade. It could it be because Cynthia Nixon wrote XO, like hugs and kisses, and Sarah Jessica Parker was just like big X, little X? <laughs> could be, honestly. Uh, so then yeah. shit hits the fan. You have a lot of feelings about just the like minutia of this Instagram post. Okay. This is not a caption. This is an image. That she posted. Is this hyperlinked? No. Is a filter on it? Yes. <laughs> Why? I have no idea. This is the caption. Uh, she invokes her mother, which is like, I mean, game over. Yeah, it, I mean, it starts with, uh, my mom asked me today, when will that at Sarah Jessica Parker, that hypocrite, leave you alone? Your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how Some cruel Some people, really this is were. the first time they're seeing Then this. and now, it's... And then she it's then dark. she links to that New York Post article we think she planted as well, which which by the way, you're all savvy people. You know you can't copy and paste a link in the, in Instagram when you use it on your phone, which leads me to believe that Kim Cattrall only interfaces with Instagram on her desktop. Totally. <laughs> However, I mean, I think we should all give Kim, a pass for this. Clearly, she's grief-stricken, and, you know, what happened to her is truly, truly awful. And, you know, this is clearly how she feels. Like, I don't think this is bullshit that she's doing just to cause drama. In Oprah's words, this is her truth. Yes, this is her truth. So it's like, whether or not we agree with her Which we perspective don't. on these <laughs> events is one thing, but that's that's clearly how she feels, so... And then, you know, kind of to put a button on this, happy Valentine's Day to us. Great Valentine's Day. When this Us Weekly cover came out. Yes, forever immortalizing the feud. We We should really get this framed and put it in our... That's true, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, there's nothing really left to say. There's kind of no conclusion other than earlier this year there was a podcast called the origins podcast which uh revealed some details about the purported sex in the city three it was way closer to filming than anyone thought it was when sarah jessica parker kind of revealed that the film was off it was actually supposed to start filming the month afterwards yeah fully staffed like location scouted like ready to go Um, so it really was an 11th hour sort of thing but, I mean, I think the juiciest thing that we found out about the Sex and the City 3 script is that Mr. Big dies. Of a, it, oh, my God, the gas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> of a heart attack in the shower towards the beginning of the film. Which is so rude, honestly. It's rude. We are also people that did not want Carrie to get married to him in the first place. However, if you're going to have them get married then do not kill him in the third film. Because do you know what that leads to? That leads to second act, uh, Carrie being depressed. And we saw that in the first film in that Mexico sequence. And we don't want that again. Yeah, we don't need more of that. No. And then the second detail, which might explain why Kim Cattrall didn't really want to participate in the film, is that part of Samantha's storyline, or maybe her only storyline is uh, that Brady Hobbs, little Brady, Brady Hobbs Brady, age 16, was sending her unsolicited dick pics. Which I now believe is a crime in several states, rightfully. Yes. Oh, but you know what? But if then Miranda had to represent her son in child pornography Ooh. charges, 
that. Sorry, our other favorite shows, Law and Order SVU. Yeah. So anytime we can kind of <laughs> overlay these two worlds, we we try to. But um, if you couldn't tell by that infograph, we cannot let this go. No, no. And I think there are some. We haven't totally given up hope about Sex in the City three, like. My idea... If we did, we'd have to shut down the account. I mean, what, what else do we have? Exactly. I mean, look, no one could ever replace Kim Cattrall in this role. She is an icon. She is a genius. However, I'm pretty sure Sharon Stone is available. You know what I mean? <laughs> and she's due for a comeback. And midway through, would you even really notice? You know what I mean? <laughs> So insulting. It's not, no, it's not shade to Kim. It's more like Sharon Stone is a very good actress, right? I, yeah, no, I, I, I want to see it. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, if time does truly heal all wounds, I think we, we got to bunker down, wait 20 more years, and then, like, fast forward to 2037 or 2039, and they're all living in a chic retirement community in South Florida, and, you know, they're juggling catheters and cosmos and it's it's golden girls guys yeah, that's golden what we're girls, saying essentially it's golden girls or any film with diane keaton or jane fonda in the last five years which is my favorite genre of film yeah and rightfully so I, again as as we say uh warner brothers were available we're, yes, we're taking, we're taking meetings. meetings we got some we got some fresh ideas to get this going <laughs> so you know yeah, I don't know how to transition this smoothly from this very sad in memoriam uh, reel to we're taking questions. From I mean, the I audience. think we should thank Commonwealth for having us. Yes, I mean, obviously, thank, thank, you, thank you all guys. for coming out tonight. We hope yeah. you enjoyed the book. Uh, feel free to ask us. I don't know how we went from reluctant influencers to published authors, random stuff about the account. Sex in the city, deep cut questions. I mean, we're game for whatever. You know, how to transition intern to wife. Whatever <laughs> questions you guys have. <laughs> it was rocky, let me tell you. <laughs> Hi. I've been, oh. Oh, it's Okay, it's been following the... since you only had a few followers. Oh, oh you're okay. the one. Okay, huh? My question is, how do you go from watching the reruns, just like what's your creative process from watching the reruns, conceptualizing the caption, picking the emojis, and then publishing? Picking the emojis. Um, unfortunately, we have this. I, I said to Chelsea about a year or two ago, I said, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours, you know, genius level thing. I unfortunately think our genius level hours are in watching Sex and the City. So a lot of this stuff is a mesh in our head. So we'll have uh, outfits we would like to do sometime. It's less at this point rewatching episodes and more kind of like scrubbing through. Yeah, yeah. We just kind of fast forward and screenshot something if we have an impulse to what a funny caption could be. Or obviously like, you know... So if there's a holiday or a current event or something that we can relate back to Sex in the City, then we try and do that as often as possible to but, keep it yeah, contemporary and, the, and fun. In the last few months, to not drive you crazy with book posts, we've gotten better at kind of balancing, uh, and as we've uh, and as we've started to really have kind of features like Woke Charlotte, you know, to balance all those. So we try to do you know a fashion post, a humor post, maybe 
something miscellaneous. What she's saying is that we have a Google spreadsheet that we are both shared on. <laughs> we have an editorial calendar. Yeah. It used to be much more random. And then we basically, again, have another Google Doc called New Doc Who Dis, and we just throw in different uh, things. Yeah. And then we each have... It, it's not... It's not great. Like, we each have a desktop, at least I do, of, like, stuff I've gone back and screencapped, and we'll be like, oh, what about this? What about that? Yeah. But, yeah, we try not to be too Carrie-centric. We try to do a balance of all of the characters. Charlotte of the main... Yeah, yeah, we have never done a Magda post, which I think is something we really need to dive into soon. Uh, But, yeah, we... You may notice we don't do a lot of Charlotte outfit posts because it's... Hard. There's nothing particularly bitchy or effusive we have to say either way. Yeah. We like stuff that's really good or really bad, or we'll try to repurpose stuff, which is where a little bit of where Woke Charlotte came from. Yeah. We have a question here to your left. Hi, lifelong Hi. Miranda here. Oh, and hi. just wanted to tell you guys that you did a much better job than Carrie did at her annex class. So oh. <laughs> kudos Thank on you. that. Uh, my question is, how do you feel about um, Stanford and Anthony's relationship? I mean, not great. I don't feel great about it. I mean, we actually interviewed Michael Patrick King once, and we were like, justify this to us because we're horrified and in his justification his thinking was that they were the last single people left so then they just kind of had well, didn't to... he say also they were yeah. traumatized by carrie's wedding <laughs> i mean okay I, I mean that is kind of how they came together it's I, puzzling I that a, it. no and i am it's a, puzzling that a gay man wrote that because it really does fit into the this antiquated idea that is shown in media of like, well, you have a gay friend, I have a gay friend, so therefore they'll get along. Yeah. I mean, it goes without saying that we're team Stanford. We are very much not team Anthony. Well, no, we're team Marcus. Hashtag, where is Marcus, guys? Yeah, that's something we think about a lot, how he was just phased off the show. Same with Raul, Mr. Big's driver, Driver. which we have no idea what happened to him. I mean, I do. I have a theory that Big, (laughs) he he knew too much and needed to disappear. (laughs) We have a question over here on your right. Hi. Hi. So I'm curious, at what point did you guys realize you had a business or that this had potential to be monetized and turned into something really big? Still still trying to figure that out every <laughs> every day. Uh, one thing kind of led to another. Chelsea is a designer, a home goods designer, and so merch seemed like a good logical step. I saw someone in the Carrie New York Magazine shirt, you, sir, who just oh, sat down, amazing. right? Our old school, yes. Which we'll, we'll tell you, we because ha- we get DMs like, sell that again, sell that again. It's the only item we've ever gotten a cease and desist over, and it was from New York Magazine, because we used the New York Magazine logo. So yeah. mer- merch was kind of the first and endeavor. Then we, yeah, it started with merch, and then we started, as the account grew, we started uh, getting, you know, spawn con offers and stuff like that. We've done well, well, I mean, we've turned down more than we've ever done. Totally. But we we did that. And then, you know, we've done live events, obviously the book, you know. So it's always been a weird mix of stuff. Yeah, we still, we still have day jobs. Yeah. Um, so this is not a pure business yet, but yeah. Down here in the front row. What is next on your horizon? What are you both dreaming about? Chelsea, wow. what, what do you dream about? 
I don't know what I'm dreaming about. It's, it's hard to answer that question because we have been so focused on, you know, getting the book done, getting the tour done. Getting, honestly, I don't know what, you know, when this book tour is over. It's going to be like a whole new game. I don't know. What should we do, guys? Yeah, you tell us. Podcast? Yeah. I mean, that's something we definitely, definitely want to do for sure. And we'd love to... We love talking about sex in the city. It's our favorite thing ever. However, we're, we're we would love to talk about other things. Like yeah. we're, we're obsessed with pop culture and fashion in general. So we would like to do more projects that uh, speak to a broader range of topics, I guess, yeah. would be my answer. So this will be our last question tonight. <gasps> Thanks, you guys. I think you guys are super funny. Oh, um, thank you. I was wondering how you felt about a Sex and the City Broadway show. Oh. Wow, I've never even thought of that. How the fuck have we never? I mean, I have. I felt. feel good about it personally yeah. now that you mentioned it. But it needs to be high camp. It needs to be that level of problematic that like Spider-Man turn off the dark was. Like, <laughs> I want to hear about six months of delays beforehand. I, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Oh, the question is, who would write the book, Michael Patrick King or Candace Bushnell? I mean, or Candace? Yeah. Do you guys follow Candace on, on Instagram? Isn't it wild? It's a journey. It's she a wild just journey. got off a book tour, and I think her book came out three months ago. Yeah. But I love the idea. I mean, I'm trying to think who we would cast in our Broadway. Who's, who's Patti Lapone playing? Miranda? Miranda. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. Sorry, my mind just went to like a one-woman show where Patti LuPone plays <laughs> just all plays of all them. the characters. Perfect. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Or, or, yeah, I guess, or a Broadway show. Like I'm thinking a play, kind of within the play, where you and I wrote something about like the behind the scenes of Sarah Jessica Parker and Kim Cattrall. Oh, yeah, that would be amazing. All right. Thank you for those ideas. Yeah, seriously. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to everyone for coming yes. tonight. It is so incredible for us, you know, as people that are just seeing likes on a phone to see actual living, and also we have people here. And also we have very monotone, sardonic, sardonic voices, but we genuinely are so happy that you guys are here. I'm so grateful to see you out all. here. Uh, we will be signing books. We have a special stamp. Oh, what's see. that going to be? Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, come, come see say us. hi. Yeah. Thank you guys Thank so much. Thank you so much. much.